Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Get it on. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, December 16th, 2020. This is episode 139-139. Gosh, I can't believe I just said it's December 16th, 2020. This year's absolutely flown by. I can't wait for it to be over with. Let's turn over a new leaf. Let's start anew. But before we do, I still have a few more incredible interviews for you to round out the year. And I'm very excited about this one. It's with my man, Steve Gerard. I actually had Steve on about a year ago for the first time. We've been great friends ever since. I have so much respect for this guy. He is truly a tastemaker and innovator in the Chicago scene and on a global scale. And all things considered, Steve has been killing it in 2020, so it was great to catch up with him. In episode 139, we talked about how 2020 has been going for Steve. Like so many other DJs, his entire schedule was basically flipped around. So Steve's been using all this extra time to his advantage and he sent me a bunch of unreleased music. Everybody better get ready because this is his best work to date. It is incredible. Now, like I said, Steve has still been killing it this year and has released so many incredible tracks from Posing with Apollo XO to Victoria's Secret with Pink Machine. Steve has been on fire. He actually had one of his biggest releases to date under one of his aliases called Cervante, a special collaboration with Ghetto Blaster called This Beat. It came out on Defected Records, literally one of the biggest record labels in the world, and it's an incredible track. It's well-deserved. No surprises that they picked it up, but that was a bucket list for Steve. It's a bucket list for any producer, so congratulations to you again, Steve, on a big, big year. Although club and festival gigs have been out of the picture for Steve this year, he was still able to play a bunch of these awesome and well put together drive-in shows. He supported artists like Green Velvet, Walker and Royce, Derek Carter, and Wax Motif, just to name a few. It was really, really cool to get Steve's experience at these as a DJ, seeing how happy the people are just to be able to dance together again. Steve is truly a Chicago legend, so I wanted to ask him his opinion on the state of the industry. He's been in the game for so long, but I was inspired by his optimism for the future of the industry. Steve said people are more creative than ever, and next year is going to be a dawn of a new era in electronic music. And I think he's right. I'm so excited to see what happens. I have such a profound amount of respect for Steve. He truly is one of the most talented producers I know, and I can't wait to see what happens in the future. It is always a pleasure to talk to this hooligan. Steve, thanks for making the time, my man. And guys, let's get into it right now. This is episode 139 with Steve Gerard. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Gerard. I'm just noticing, actually, just right now, we just we were on, we're talking before air, you cut your hair. Yeah, yeah, I chopped it all off. Look at you. I know. I, I, I went all the way down. I did it myself. Literally, I got home from work, and I just didn't. I, I had a shower because I, did, I didn't shower for like two days before that day. So I, I, <laughs> I hop in the shower, and I'm like, I really don't want to fucking spend 20 minutes just washing and conditioning my hair. Because yeah. it was like, it was like, it was, it was past my nipples. Yeah. So well. I was like. Fuck this. So I just grabbed my clippers and I just zeroed my entire head 
like this was probably two or three months ago. And then now I'm like, I'm gonna get one more haircut and then 2021, I'm just gonna let it go again, you know? Yeah, for sure. sure. The yeah. great reset for you. Yeah, it, it, but it all stemmed from me being lazy and not wanting to wash it. Make that. <laughs> <laughs> Every reaction has an action, right? That's that's hilarious. I I like it. I like it actually. It makes you look a lot younger, but it, it's good to be talking to you. You know, it's yeah. flown by, but it's been about a year since we had you on the podcast last. It's it's been a while. It has been a while, man. Um, obviously, this year has been really tough, but you've been crushing it. So many awesome releases. We got plenty to catch up on. I guess yeah. how have you been though since since March? I mean, you were supposed to play the Chami show at Radius. Yeah, and I mean that. Yeah, that was supposed to be. It was March thirteenth. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was March twelfth, and it was my birthday. <laughs> it was my birthday as well. Good so friend. I found out maybe two hours before doors. Yeah. Like Ron Carroll was like, it, it was supposed to be me back to back Ron Carroll. We we're supposed to have a four hour set. Yeah. So Ron's like getting ready to come over to my crib and just like kick it before. And two hours before doors, <laughs> Mike Lane calls me. It's like, it's no go, my man. I'm like, fucking great. You know, like, th like, thanks for the birthday present, Lightfoot. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it was a necessary precaution, so you can't be mad in the long run. Uh, oh, Jesus. And obviously, like, I've been in contact with those guys, so we, uh, you know, we have a lot of stuff cooking for 2021 already that's on the calendar, which is good. So oh, it's nobody, nobody's fault, so you, you can't really be mad, but it's just such a buzzkill, like, when it's, especially on, like, your birthday night, you're ready to, like, go out and, like, see everybody and, like, have fun and fucking do all the party stuff and that was such a weird time, wasn't it? Like that week leading up, like nobody knew what the fuck was going on. And I don't think anyone really knew. Everybody, everybody just saw how bad New York was Yeah. at the time. And everyone was like, fuck, I hope it doesn't get bad like that here. But like <laughs> the, the, the United States in general was just like two months behind on absolutely everything that could have made this better. But I mean, there's nothing we could do now. So no. <laughs> I forgot about that. I, and I was naive for, for so many different periods of time during this pandemic. Like, whatever reason, I thought that there weren't going to be riots during uh, the George Floyd killing. I don't know why. I was like, not here. And then I was like, oh, we'll have it under control. There won't be spikes. Like, we're good people here. There won't be all these bad events going on and, like, all these reasons why cases are spiking. Reality yeah. check. It's, that, that's, that's a tough subject to talk about, especially because, like, I mean, I, I, I have... I have no, like, I have no juice to be able to, like, pass judgment on how, like, those, com like, minority communities react uh, yeah. to that stuff because I'm not a minority. So I, I have, like, I keep my foot out of that. I have, well, however you guys feel, I'll never know that feeling. So I can't be the one to tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing or how you should emotionally react to something. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's. It's, it's 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 it's, 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 a, it's a touchy subject but i mean all together uh i mean I'll, i have a lot of friends that were protesting peacefully by the way like dom organized a gigantic rally at uh, yeah. uh union park and i mean awesome. everything's peaceful but there's always some there's always a few fucking bad apples you know like that's what everybody likes to say that I have to like ruin it for everybody and then of course everybody gets lumped into one yep. thing that makes everybody look like assholes, which is unfortunate. So yeah, no, I, I even appreciate you sharing just that little bit there. I feel the exact same way. Like I'll never be able to understand what it's like 
And I fully acknowledge that. And I've tried to do everything I can to help. Um, I think this year has been fucking crazy in every single way. Good, bad, ugly, pretty, like it is what it is. But I think everyone is like, okay, this is reality, right? Like we're coming closer together, even though we're further apart. I feel like in so many different ways, the music industry, I believe is being stripped down to its core and we're seeing what it really is, who it's really made of. And I just want to acknowledge you, Steve, because you're someone like when I interviewed you last year, you were so just like, this is what I love to do. You know what I mean? Regardless of success. And it's just so cool to see someone like you still doing that because you're having success, like serious success. So congrats to you on a big year, like all things considered, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I didn't have a giant summit year. Let's say that. Like (laughs) that motherfucker took the ball and threw it down the fucking hill. Like he didn't just like roll it, you know, no. He he wind up Randy Johnson, that shit down the hill. (laughs) I don't think anybody like made like, man, made like apple pie out of just fucking an apple core, you know? Oh yeah. That's, that's like, I mean, I I think that kid had like 10 plus, like 10, 15 releases this year while no clubs were open, mind you. You know, so that's taking a big risk. But also, like, a lot of labels are doing that shit where they're, like, they're holding on to their catalog for next year. Yeah. You know, there's so many labels are backed up with, like, like tons of releases for, for 2021 already because they just haven't been releasing as frequently as they typically would. Yeah. And I understand it, but, I mean, for artists, too, that it kind of sucks because, like, sometimes material, like, especially now, like, with as many producers that are that there are out there, like, music can age very, very quickly now. Yeah, you know, so I mean, if you don't get it out there, shit, somebody else might beat you to the punch. Excuse me, beat you to the punch on like a sample or something. Then you're like, like, you know, I made this shit a year ago. This kid just made this two months ago and and it's already out before mine. So I have seen a lot of splice vocals come to light, actually, like sometimes on the same day with same releases. It's funny. Are you are you producing differently? Are you going about your creative process any differently, or were you, or where are you at now compared to where you were earlier? No, but I've been I've been I've been bite I've been biting off more stuff than I can chew at the moment, but intentionally, you know, like yeah, just so, just so I don't get bored of something. In I mean, I won't have to just drive myself to like finish, especially if it's just an original for like something for me you know i can let something marinate for a couple months and then come back to it but like on top of that also having like uh, you mentioned uh earlier before we uh got on the interview uh nick nice and those guys like they're in the studio right next to us now so like there's a whole lot of stuff at music garage where it's like oh what do you think of this like and they'll bring their shit over to my room and we'll we'll jam it and i'll be like oh maybe you should like fix or tweak this yeah then we throw it on the big on the, on the big system and listen to it like for a reference like for club reference so it's been a lot of back and forth i think nick and myself have about we have almost we have pretty much a full album that's like probably <laughs> like probably like an eight track album that's like some are finished but a lot of them are like right around like the halfway done point and it's just like figuring where we want to go with it because we don't have a sound really either you know we just want to make random cool shit some of it's minimal some of it's bass house some of it's just like stripped down tech house you know so it's it's all different you know it's 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 just how you feel at the time i don't go you know i don't go into a production session be like i'm gonna make a tech house track you know like yeah building drums but you know if this shit swings a little better than being like a tech house banger shit it might turn into a minimal song we'll see when we get there you know yeah 
Yeah, it kind of sounds similar to what you told me last interview. Like, you never really know what's going to happen when you get in the studio. Earlier this year, you started the year with a, a dubstep track of Corn and Chicken Weed, right? Yeah. Forgot yeah. about that because it's so long ago at this point, Shit, probably. That was last February. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I went through your 2020 releases today, but it just goes to show, once again, like, you do have your method, Steve. And, and to me, it's something that I think is so awesome about you. It's just like, again, you go in just knowing that you want to be in the studio making music, and that's what makes you happy. You never know what you're going to come out with. could be shit. I know you were struggling with some creative things, but yeah, it's great to hear you challenging yourself still. Like, in every session's different. Like, yeah. last week I went in on Tuesday and Tuesday and when, on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of last week, and I did eight-hour sessions all three nights. Oh. Monday and Tuesday, I couldn't, like, I couldn't come up with anything that, like, that I like. Sure enough, Tuesday came around, and I finished a whole track mixed and mastered. For, <laughs> but that's also because it was a remix and, it, and I had a deadline, you know? You so go. in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to knock it out, you know? But the, the other two days, I'm like, I just, like, I had no agenda going in with. So sometimes my method can really fuck me. <laughs> sometimes it works out, like, in my favor. favor so that's good. That's, you know? true. that's true. You have your process, though, so. You worked through it, right? So, 2020, like I said, all things considered, you've killed it this year. Like weed with corn and chicken. You had posing with Apollo XO, and that track was done for a while, and it's done pretty well in the streaming world. And it was, in my opinion, one of those tracks that would have done so well at a club. Yeah, right? yeah, it, it, it uh, and I, I, it didn't, it didn't get like a beatport or release or anything. I, I let Apollo and I just kind of made that like threw that thing together in like one night, and then we did another session on it and like yeah. finish it, and then one more. So I think in three total, like three sessions, like, like three hours a piece, and we got it all self mastered and everything. And I just let him take the reins and, and ran with it, and I, I think he only put it up on Spotify. But yeah, I think like the first week it did like. It did like eighteen thousand streams the first week or something, which which was yeah. which was pretty cool. So very good, yeah. And it's a dope track. I actually I remember put that in my last year Chicago showcase. I think you guys had finished it already by then or about. So it's just wild to see, like when you said, labels are backed up, even self release are backed up. People don't know what to release when, yeah. or why. Yeah. People are worried about, you know, people that self release are worried now about themselves. They're like, should I pull the trigger on this or should I wait? Yeah. But, I think, I think most of them have been going the route of just like just cock it and let it go. You know, I mean, what is your opinion on that? While while we're on, I mean, especially especially if you're self releasing and streaming, like like right to streaming platforms. I don't understand why you wouldn't, because I mean, ain't nobody going to fucking clubs right now. Like, what are they doing? Jamming on Spotify at home. Yep. Fucking and. And hanging out with their friends or roommates and just drinking and, and partying at their own crib. Like, they're not yeah. going anywhere. So, like, you might as well, if you're going just that route. But if you're going more for DJs, like Beatport, iTunes, track source type stuff, then I can understand why people are hesitant to release stuff for sale. But, I mean, if it's just going direct to a streaming platform only, fucking let it go. Fire them yeah. off, you know? Yeah, I agree. People, people have no distractions. There, and there's a difference and there's a fine line, right, between, like, club playable, festival playable, it's streamable. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah, I well, think everyone's that. The, metric, the metrics are all totally different, too, because, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, like, 150 streams equals one purchase <laughs> of the track. Honestly, I, I think it's, like, 150 to, like, 170 streams of 30 seconds or more. Yeah. <laughs> 
then yeah, equals one sale, you know? So it's like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I don't even have a Spotify account. I, th I think I went as far as to like claim my artist page that's on there, but I, I've never like, I don't, yeah, I, I've never once opened Spotify. I'm like, I want to listen to this. Like if I want to listen to something, I'll just open YouTube or something or go on iTunes and buy the track, you know? Yeah, for sure. I know you're a big YouTube guy. And of course, like as someone who started as, um, <clears throat> or has been successful in the DJ world, when you're sending people tracks too, you send them SoundCloud waves, right? SoundCloud yeah. links, that sort of shit. You still use SoundCloud a lot? Uh, honestly, I don't like promote it or like uh, interact with anybody on it. Like I don't look for new music on there anymore or anything really. Cause like just the quality and, and, and the types of tracks that I typically play, like they're, there's just not a whole lot of those things out there on Spotify. And if they are, if there is like tracks with like a cool instrumental somebody had made, there's always like a bullshit top 40 fucking acapella over it. So it's like, all right, well, kind of ruined it for me. If it's something I like enough, I'll DM the person be like, can I get this like as a dub? <laughs> you know? Yep. Sometimes, sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't, but. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I typically just use my SoundCloud just to upload like, upload my shit like I, I think i only have like maybe 20 public tracks i think i have 150 like private tracks that are just like laying there like some are done some aren't like some are work in progresses yeah but yeah that's your vault i remember you when i was when i was at your studio you were like just going through the sound cloud uh, so many tracks yeah i i probably have eight to ten albums worth of shit random shit on there <laughs> you know <laughs> i love that though that's so funny you keep it all there um, but you also had one of my favorite tracks of yours, Victoria's Secret. You had sent me this one well before the release. Who is yeah. Pink Machine, by the way? Pink Machine, man. He, uh, his name's Steve. He, uh, old friend, but uh, he, his, uh, his father used to own the legendary uh, Hot Jams record store. Yeah. So he's he he's he's just an old great friend. He uh, he throws his own parties. He does uh like paradise at exit with like charlie glitch and eddie riot and all those guys so like the, the mexican pilsen crew like yeah. mexican techno crew like that's <laughs> that's all them yeah but uh he's a great dude and him and i like i made the i made the beat in like two hours i think like straight from like machines and everything and then he did uh he did the baseline on a on his juno at home and he did he sent me uh he sent me the midi table for it and uh and, and the raw audio and i was like this is fucking great and i like move some of the notes around so it's like just descending like dun, 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 you know? and it just descended the whole time and it was just an earworm i think i listened to it on loop for like an hour and i was like i'm not tired of this so i just let, I, I did the track i recorded the vocal and then just on a whim i had sent it over to harvard bass yeah and yep. uh he was like i'm about to relaunch my new my, my label he has he had his label uh bump city Yep, yep. Ironically, <laughs> his label Bump City that he had launched back in like two, like 2011, but he just never did anything with it. So he, right. he relaunched it uh, this year. Uh, first thing was he just put a Harvard bass album out, like a like a 15 track album out on it. And then then he put my single out maybe like two months after. So that was cool. If you like that sound, though, there's uh, for stuff for next year. Hiroko and I finished a remix. Uh, the track I was telling you from last week that I finished in like four hours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, me and Hiroko, it was a remix me and her did, or her and I did for uh, Ghetto Blaster and DJ Dion. 
for Weejack. And right, right before we just started talking, uh, I had just gotten off, uh, off FaceTime with Paul. He was checking on me, making sure his baby's okay. <laughs> I'm going to grab a beer and be right back. You're good. You're good. <laughs> so, yeah. Dude, I got to hear that. I got to hear that track. Because you and Oroko have, I mean, I don't, have you guys ever released a track? I know you have made some or kind of messed around some analog equipment you mentioned. Yeah, we, have a, we, have a, we have a lot of, like, her and I probably have, like, eight to ten, like, track starts that are just like laying around or just like basic drum percussion sequences. And beyond that, I mean, we didn't really, we never really pursued any of them beyond like those initial jam sessions, just because she's, she's busy as hell too. Like she has, she had a, she had a lot of music come out this year. So yeah, she got that. And, and most of the people she works with are from Europe. So she's on like weird, like weird timeline for like, uh, for releases. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's been tough. And then the, DJ Dion remix came about where they uh, Paul had offered had offered it to her, and I was just in the room, and I'm like, "What up, Paul?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> like they're on they're on Facetime, and he's like, he's like, "Oh shit, you're with Steve." He's like, "Why don't you and Steve do it?" So the very he he emailed me the parts, and the very next day uh, we knocked it out in literally like four or five hours. Oh my so. god, that's fucking awesome! That's awesome. I will send it to you though. Yes, can't wait to hear that. And yeah, I, it'll probably come out in like February, uh, probably January, late January, early February. Uh, shit, what else? I have a track with Os, uh, another one for Ferris Wheel coming out probably March or April. Okay. And that that's been, that's been by the time it comes out, it'll have already have been done for a year. So, you know, <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, Ferris Wheel has a lot of great stuff coming out there. Uh, Gene sent me the list earlier, and there's shit. They're they're all situated releases for all of 2021 already for sure. Oh, wow, what's going on with uh, your collaboration with Ose? Is that one coming out in 2021? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's the first one that's coming out uh, from me on Ferris Wheel for 2021. Right. Uh, they got another single. They have a single of mine too, which probably won't be till the end of the year. And then they have uh, they're putting out the track I did with Nick Nice, uh, "Blow Your Mind" as well, which is weird because it's like a bass house track. Yeah, shit. So yeah, that's awesome, man. Now, uh, Victoria's Secret had your lyrics in there, you speaking, and that kind of leads into Cervante, man. But tell me about before we get into that, and if you could lead it to the Cervante. When you do your lyrics, Steve, what's your process? Do you have the track, have the instrumental? Do you have lyrics that you go back to, or what's your production process like there? I'll usually, I'll usually, I'll, like, I'll never do vocals until like my drums and percussion are like situated where i want them right from there for a lot of times from there sometimes i'll build like a break first sometimes i'll start up on a drop but usually i'll just sequence the whole track to like how i hear it go and be like all right do i want to do a minute intro do i want to do a minute and a half intro yeah and then I'll, I'll i'll build the track the drums like into those sections already and then i'll just let the track play and i'll just like off the head random like ad libs and stuff i'll just let it play with a, a dry mic and then as i'm doing that i'll stop it i'll make a new channel and i'll be like all right and i'll just listen to it in headphones and just kind of like jot down like bar ideas and i'll record them and as i like you know the vocals come together as the track is coming together too you know you might write like you, you might write like eight bars of something but like your cadence might not match like the swing of like 
a track or you might have a stab and like instead of getting rid of it kind of want to like make your vocals fit around your instrumental you know what i mean yeah I do. so you're not so you're not like backpedaling on on a beat and on a an acapella so acapella is like probably the last thing i worry about you know yeah i like but that one thing about victoria's secret most of those names are pink machines kids <laughs> So here, it was like 4 a.m. one night, and him and I were just fucking twat. And, <laughs> and I think I was just like, Victoria said I shouldn't keep no secret, you know. Yeah. And it just like he's just like, oh, he's like, he's like, shit. Well, Sophia, that's my, he's like, that's his youngest daughter. He's like, Sophia. I'm like, all right, here we go. <laughs> you know, that shit rhymes. <laughs> yeah, that came together easy. That shit rhymes, man. <laughs> White rapper over here. I like that. That's all you need, right? yeah and then i'm what was uh oh and then the um so going into cervante now i think what was our uh was our our last release was the defected one i think right you had this beat and frisky oh yeah frisky yeah see we did frisky like almost two years ago jesus christ man really and it, it we had it we had it sent off to it was signed to two other labels before uh, Paul Anthony put it out on Weejack mm-hmm. and they wanted it. I thought the song was too strong for them. To, they both of those labels, I'm not going to say what labels they were, but they both wanted to put it on a VA compilation, which is various artists. Yeah. I thought the song was too strong to just die like in the middle of a VA compilation. Sure. So I removed it from both of them because I thought it needed a single release, you know, yeah. down the line, a few months later, we'll do remixes for it, you know? So that's that's kind of how it, it came together really fast. I think Paul Anthony like crashed on my couch one night with his with his uh, with his girlfriend, and I think we just got to talking about it. And he's like, "I'll he's like I'll just fucking put it out." So I just sent an email right there. I was like, "I'm gonna handle this on my own. Thanks for thanks for signing it, but I'm like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna withhold it now because I ain't signed no paperwork yet." <laughs> right, rule number one. <laughs> I love that though, but it's so cool. I I know your process in the studio. Um, course like when it comes back to music theory and all that stuff but it's really cool to hear your voice blended in Cervante tracks with your production partner can you tell us more about him and your guys relationship Rick, Rick's one of those dudes where like we're we don't like well for one Rick and uh, his wife moved to uh, Milwaukee uh, yeah. months ago so like I don't I don't see him that much I'll see him maybe once a year but I mean we still talk all the time we shoot yeah. stuff back back and forth together and I mean, he's started a new job, so he's been busy. So whenever we do talk and, like, get down for a few hours and just, like, chat, like, something will always, like, get started in those, you know? So they're not always just, like, a friendship, like, chit-chat bust thing. Yeah. Like, oh, we'll see you later, you know? But <laughs> it's always one of those things where, like, we'll we'll talk, catch up together for 15, 20 minutes. Then it'll get into like, well, what have you been working on? You know, and we'll send stuff back and forth. Yeah. And if something like strikes a chord with me or something strikes a chord with him, be like, oh, send me, send me those drums and vice versa. I'll be like, well, send me the, send me the stems for that, you know, and then whatever comes from there. I mean, for our distance and him having his own personal stuff, he's got to handle and responsibilities and same with me. Like if we get one, two songs done a year for Cervante, that's, that's a plus for me, you know? Sure. It's just, it's, it's cool to see like how your individual releases differ, but also are similar. And yeah, yeah, we're, we're not, we're not in that, in like into that project to like 
blow up or like try to like like make anything huge that's just like a couple homies that like enjoy each other's company and like yeah like hang together that just like if we if we get if we get something that's like sick then yeah we'll put it out you know yeah i love that i mean you guys did have something that's sick man like we're not trying, we're not trying to force it or anything so yeah of course but i mean you mentioned ghetto blaster earlier this beat with them on defective records congratulations again i know i told you a few times but that's a major milestone i know you who kind of brought things off, but you acknowledge how big that is. You know how important of a release that is, how well-known, respected of a label they are. Yeah, Defected is, uh, it, it's definitely, that was definitely a tick off the bucket list for sure. And uh, yeah, I, I've been, I've been consciously also like on some of like the solo stuff I've been like starting to work on, like since I had my foot in the door with them already, now I've been kind of like you know, making some stuff that I typically wouldn't make, like, you know, like more chill, like chill out loungy stuff. Like, yeah. So it's, yeah. It's awesome. Shout out to them. They're, they're crushing it every week. They got something new. That's just a fucking heater that comes out, you know, and the marketing team that they have behind there, I think they own like shit, probably well over 20 different labels they have underneath the defective belt. You know, it's so sick. They're, they're like a, a, a clean and classy version of spinning, man. It's just so cool. And all the live streams they do, they're just all about the people. They have so much culture behind their label, which is so unique. They have, yeah, I mean, any anybody that's somebody in electronic music has released on Undefected for a reason, yeah. Amen, man. I mean, you got to acknowledge, of course, Pete Tong. That was so fucking sick, man, on, I think it was Screams Mix or whatever it was. But to hear him say your name, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, I forgot, I forgot what show that, that was. Uh, I think he was doing a guest spot for uh like on Heidi's show or uh Anna Luno's show I think it was Anna Luno's show he was just doing like a, a filling in for or something but yeah I heard it and I heard it in the car for the first time. <laughs> so that was I was just like now stoned I was just like oh, this is real oh, yeah I better call Paul <laughs> <laughs> so dope though man it was also a chart topper on Beatport which as you know is a big difference between having a lot of streams and getting a lot of people to buy your track on Beatport, right? Yeah, and Beat, Beatport's kind of a, a, a fickle distributor. And when I say that, I mean, like, they don't, it's very algorithm-based. Uh, and there a lot of those bigger labels, like you mentioned Spinning, like, there's a lot of labels out there that will purchase their own records, you know, just to, like, get put in the charts or like money's coming back to us anyways. So whatever. So a lot of, a lot of people will do that. I mean, most people, most of the, I'm, I'm, that's not me saying that the tracks that are in the charts on there aren't great. Cause they're, I mean, if they're charts, if they're charted, they're charted for a reason because yeah. they're made well, but on the flip side, I think a more accurate, uh, a more accurate list of actual sales would be, <clears throat> excuse me, would be track source. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot more single. It's it, it's it's built more for DJs. It, it's because at like when Beatport was first conceptualized and like like taken live, they're like how they were at the time is kind of how Track Source is now. Track Source is kind of like the redheaded stepchild almost for like when it comes to like music distribution uh, distribution sites. But I th I think their charts because it because it, it's only house music based. You know, there's only like maybe twelve genres that are on there versus Beatport where there's like 120. Yeah. So I think it's a, the metric is a lot more accurate to like seeing what people are actually buying, seeing what people are actually playing, uh, versus Beatport. 
Yeah, that's that, Steve. Thanks for sharing that. That's something really important I think DJs and producers should know as well. Tracksworth, I believe, is still very underrated. It's a great oh, it is. There's, 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 keep in mind, there's also, there's a lot of labels that only release on track source too. Yeah. Like, can't find their shit on Beatport. Uh, or yeah, most other places. So it's. Would you see Beatport's kind of like corporate and I mean, I guess they kind of said it with Red Hat Stepchild, but like track yeah, source. Is yeah. Just, well, when, when, when Beatport first started, they were DIY. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure how, uh, how in depth it, it was at the time, but, uh, Bad Boy Bill was one of the founders of Beatport. Really? Um, oh, shit. Yeah, and just at yeah at the time, uh, I think it was first sold in like 2006, like 2006 or 2007. I'm pretty sure, like, was when that first sale went went through. But I mean, it's ever ever since then. Over the last ten years, they like they got fucking. They have office space now. Like, look at that. <laughs> You know, compared to before when it started, it was like six guys in a like a, a like, like a shitty cubicle, you know. <laughs> so now it's you know, you can't hate it. I mean, they're doing their thing. Beatport's still an amazing platform, but I mean, yeah, they they could be a little more hands on with with some things, you know. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah, it definitely, not, you know, so it's fickle. Now, you, you had a lot of awesome releases this year, but you still were able to play a lot of sick shows. And I want to ask you about the drive-ins, and I want to ask you about the live streams. First off, have you done any live streams before the pandemic? Maybe, like, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one yeah. Isn't it yeah. funny? All the DJs were like, uh, I don't really know what I'm doing. OBS? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I mean, luckily... If you told me, like, could you imagine five, six years ago, like, trying to stream something like that and, <laughs> and, and get interaction with people? Like, just, like, the back end on these websites are, are, like, so, like, done so well to make everything, like, so streamlined and easy. Like, it, like you don't have to read a fucking user's manual for, to set any of this up. You know, like, anybody could stream anything now, which is, which is, which is cool. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, I know. And it was like all of a sudden in March and April, we're like, all right, well, we got to figure this out. We're all inside anyway. I'd like to keep DJing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you've yeah. so many cool ones, though. Like you've done Ferris Wheel, Dirty Bird, Desert Hearts. How's it been for you, I guess, like kind of just getting like mentally? Are you kind of just like pretending you're by yourself? Or are you like thinking and playing to a crowd for someone who's such a great oh, well, I'm never by myself. I usually got Gene Ferris in the background fucking That's laughing true. at me. <laughs> playing for Gene then. Yeah. Yeah, um, they've been they've been really good. the The first drive in that I did this year was uh, for Lawrence for Lakeshore Drive in uh, at the Planetarium. Yeah, that one was really good. Um, I, and that was just that was just me, Paul Johnson, and Gene. Yeah, so sick. And it, it went really well. They sold the the lot was filled, which was surprisingly because they they had a, it, ours was like a last minute thing. I think they had a big artist cancel for like. It was on a Wednesday. I'm pretty sure it was on a Wednesday, and yep. uh, it, they didn't get a fly, they didn't get a flyer up until like Tuesday night the week before. So like a week of promotion for that, when for us to fill it up was was really sick. Chicago showed out, man. I mean, yeah. you don't need it, but that's a stamp of approval for like a Chicago legend, man. Like to be on the lineup, to know those guys have a personal relationship with Paul yeah. and Dean, and it's like, all right, Steve's gonna play his fucking music. This is the best of the best. Chicago showed out, man. And Paul Johnson gave me an, uh, he, uh, he had given me an edible that night. <laughs> he loves smoking. Uh, it, was, 
man, it was it was a it was a fucking it was a gummy too. And I, w- I was drunk as shit that night, so I didn't eat it. I was smart enough then, but I ate it the next day, and I don't think I moved from my couch for about 16 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that guy is a fucking legend, and he loves smoking weed. I, I, I respect him. GE2, those guys, man, they, they, can, they can just smoke you under the table. Can you, can you hold yourself? And I, I could hold my own with them, but, I mean, I mean <laughs> PJ will still smoke Gene under the fucking rug. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome, man. Tell me more about the LSD, because I know Lawrence from Soundbar, who you have a great relationship with, where you hold Tell me about LSD. Okay, strap in. <laughs> yeah. This is actually Joe Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> How did so, he come uh, up with this? What was the process like? Because it was, it was pretty incredible to see, honestly. Uh, Lakeshore Drive-In was... Uh, I'm not sure who the other partners were. I know they had a, a, another talent buyer that was involved, but... Lawrence was kind of the meat and potatoes behind like running, like running that drive in and overseeing it and like getting offers out and using his connections as talent buyer and uh, manager for, from sound with like taking some of the artists that we had holds on and offers out for, for like uh, the end of the year for sound. And then like, tell, like touching base with their agents, like, Hey, we could still do these dates, but it's going to be a drive in outdoor thing, you know? So right. I think, Lawrence was in, definitely instrumental on making that happen, for sure. That's massive, man. Why do you think those are so important, not only just in Chicago, but nationwide? I mean, give the people something, right? Uh, I mean, not only that, but it's, I mean, even the artists are, like, artists aren't taking full fees for, for yeah. the shit either. Because they know, one, they got bills, and they'll take something right now. Number yep. two, they want to get out of the house just as much as everybody else. <laughs> yep. And three, I mean, it's... I mean, I don't know. It also, for one, I think the most important thing in those drive-ins, too, since people can't play clubs right now, is they're able to, like, flex all this new music and shit that they've been yeah. working on, like, for... I mean, because, what, the first drive-ins didn't happen until, like, four months after, like, the initial heavy quarantine first started. So people were cooped up for several months before these even started. So everybody was already fucking ants in the pants. Yes. So, so I mean, every, every drive-in I went that I've played has, has been awesome. Yeah. A lot of energy. You, you did, I mean, you did them all, man. You did, of course, Gene Ferris, Paul Johnson, Derek Carter, Green Velvet. I actually saw you up at the Wax Motif and Walker and Royce show. Like it's just, it's cool because you were there around. Yeah. 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 I actually, I actually saw you playing dude, And I didn't know that we're wasn't going to go through main PAs. That was, that was the only drive-in I did this year that didn't have sound. Luckily, I had monitors on yeah, stage. I, I was listening to your monitors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I just, ca- I just had that shit cranked up and just wore my headphones all the time. Yeah, and then, like when I was, when I was done, like I walked through all the crowds and like, so many of the cars weren't even like fucking wanging at all. Like they, they had their volumes down to like ten, and I was like, what the fuck are y'all doing? Open your doors up Dude, and put your chill to thirty. Like, let's go, you know. We had a tech house tailgate. Luckily, we had we had a speaker and uh, we fucking were just crushing beers. It was a great time. That was actually the only one I could go to. But what I was gonna say is, it's so cool to actually see like it's like a culture within a culture. Like there are still like ravers there. There are still people who love the music, and it's just awesome to see like a lot of people thought that this industry and certainly some of it is like drug infused, right? Like people are doing it because they like to get fucked up. 
but there's still so many people that are doing it and going to these things and driving out to McHenry, Illinois. You know what yeah, I mean? That was not a fun drive. <laughs> it was a far drive, but well, you got some I golf. drove all that way to play for 30 minutes. <laughs> Did I want to get out of the house? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so cool to see like our culture thriving with these live streams, with these drive-ins, like it's mm -hmm. not going to die. And that's what I meant earlier, you know, like the industry. I don't, I don't, I don't think I don't think streaming is going to die at all. If anything, I think it's only going to keep growing, especially when clubs are around, like clubs start to open back up gradually. If I had to, if I had to make an educated guess, I would I would say we will start seeing venues reopen around probably the April mark, like first week of April. Yeah, last week of March is when things are going to start. You know, like gradually the wheels will start spinning again, but. Yeah, I mean, shit, you like, you played at Spy Bar once. We, we got a little taste, and then it just got pulled away, which made it so much yeah. worse. Yeah, I, I, I totally forgot about that. Yeah the, fir they, yeah, the first night that they were legally allowed to open, they, I think they only opened for three nights total. Like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Night, next night, and then like one day the next weekend, and then, it, then the city pulled the plug on that again. Yeah, of course. On that note, Steve, for someone that – as your hands in so many different pots in the industry, whether it be on the DJ side, the production side, the venue side, I mean, I know you love AV, like there's so many people involved, right? In yeah. this industry. What is the state of the industry now, in your opinion? Like, what, where are we at now? Where can we go? What are we gonna learn from this time? What's your thoughts? Uh, I mean, if, if there's, well, for to start it off, if there's anything we can learn, I think this heightened, uh, like the heightened awareness behind like your hand washing, covering your fucking face when you sneeze, all that shit. I think this opened a big eye to how easily germs and shit are spread. So like, hopefully, hopefully like people like take something good from this and like kind of apply that to like how they live from now on, you know, yeah. like be more conscious of where you're putting your hands and fucking like touching your own face and shit. So I, I, in that sense, I think I, I think it's good that people are gonna like probably start to apply that to how they live once all of this is over. Yeah. But uh, the industry, I mean, a lot of uh, most most people I see, I, I would say probably 80, 80 to ninety percent are still like doing odd jobs and just waiting until this blows over until they can go back to what they do. Because like you also gotta look at like bartenders and servers, yeah. like. I would say, at least in Chicago, I would say probably 95% of them are educated. They all went to college. They, like, they know what they're doing. But they also have a love for, like, the scene. The, it doesn't have to be the music or anything. It could just be nightlife in general. But, I mean, they're all, they're all waiting until this blows over, too. And I, I really hope it does. Bartenders and servers, like, like look at our friend Nino now is going, uh, he, he's doing COVID tests now. You know, like, so yeah, people yeah. are, people are still finding work here and there when they can. But I mean, it's, I, I think they're just, most of them are just waiting until this blows over so they can, uh, so they can get back to doing what they love, which is being behind a bar and seeing the people they enjoy serving and, you know, making money. For sure. I hear you. Do you think for better or for worse, creatives will leave the industry because they can't make money or weren't in for the right reasons or can't stay motivated or whatever? It's tough. I, 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 at least on, on my end, I haven't noticed anybody being like, all right, well, I'm packing my shit up. I'm done. Like this was a good ride type of thing. I haven't seen that to the extent that I thought I would. Yeah. Same, uh, same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I think most people, if like they can't afford to live how they were living before through this, I mean, shit, you could always go stay at mom, mom and dad's, but yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I am surprised though that more people have it just kind of like taken a backseat and have been like, all right, I got to focus on like my own stuff. Granted they are, or they just don't announce every move they make in their personal life on social. So you would never know. But I mean, yeah, I, I, again, though, I will reiterate, I don't, it's a lot better than I thought it would have. I'd be like, damn, a lot of people are going to be fucked, especially with work, you know, like I don't expect somebody with like a, a, like they went to grad school to go fucking work at Subway, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Nobody's going to do that. So it's just playing the waiting game again, you know? Yeah, for sure. I I wholeheartedly agree. I think that there are, there are some, I would say just at least like the people just kind of hanging out on the fucking outskirts. They're just like, yeah, I don't think I stand a chance, which is good. And I think competition will be less, but it's not about competition anymore. I think that's been the coolest part is, I've seen so many people in the music industry come together, collaborate, whatever it might be, share ideas. Like we all have each other and we always have. And now I think that's coming to light more than ever. And it's really cool. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of like collectives and just like, not even just collectives, but a lot of individuals that you would like, if you told me here, perfect example, if you told me five years ago that you'd have Mike Lang from the mid John Curley <laughs> and fucking Don Brown all launching a company together. I tell you, you're out of your fucking ragged ass mind. Yeah. That would never happen. Sure oh. enough. Now they're launching it. Now they're launching a whole company festivals next year, multiple new festivals for 2021. And, uh, yeah, I signed in, uh, I signed an exclusivity with them. Uh, so did Hiroko. So her and I, We'll be playing a lot of shows for them next year. So I'm stoked for that. Yeah, that's a, literally the perfect example. It's just so cool to see them all coming yeah. together for like, it's a bigger, there's a bigger purpose to all this shit. It's, yeah, I mean, it's now there's a, so you have a partnership now. You have Radius, uh, Radius, Spybar, they're partners now, which yeah. is like, <laughs> really? Like, really? The guy that owns React? that owned react is now partnering with John Curley. Like what, like, am I in Narnia right now? What the fuck's going on? So yeah, again, anything can happen. It's like, I'm most excited for 2021 for that reason to see what that team pulls off for us. Uh, it's, it's going to be sick. I, I, I can't let too much info out on that, but yeah, it's get ready for some great underground parties and great festivals. Fuck yes. yes. No, I'm going to be fucking front row whenever you're playing next, man. Um, see, my one of my last questions for you is, for you personally, has anything changed about the way you're thinking about the future? Not really. I'm just, I'm just along for the ride. I'm in the, I'm yeah. in the fucking caboose of this train right now. So we'll see. I mean, yeah. I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, but all I can do is guess. And I mean, I, I, I think by, I, I think by end of March and April, well, the ball is going to start rolling again and people are going to, you know, start getting a little, like feeling a little more at ease, like, you know, going back to work and everything. And so God, I yeah, personally, yeah. me personally, I'm fine. I'm still working my regular yeah. job and, uh, just going, going to the studio like two nights a week and just getting my stuff done and then just going home and just 
staying safe. That's all he can really do right now. Did you golf more this year, though? You must have. I golf more this year than I have in the last 10 years. <laughs> I, 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 I golfed uh, th- this year. Well, this summer, I golfed probably two to three days a week for about probably probably six months. And then next week, I'm going to Florida to golf for another four days. So I'm <laughs> excited. With all the shows you were playing. What's up? You wouldn't have been able to do that with all the shows you were playing if this year was as normal as it was supposed to be, right? Hell no. Nope. What's your handicap, Steve? What's your handicap? Come on. I know you're a good golfer. I'm all right. You know who the, the, the best golfer between all of us in Chicago right now is Jay Sephora? No way. I just watched the video yeah. of this in a fucking five-foot putt, though. Yeah, yeah. Anomaly, he, uh, Jay's playing at like a, he's playing at like a four or five handicap this year. Whoa. I'm, I, I'm playing at like an eight. Like, like, a, like, a, like an eight, you know. Still not bad. Low 80s, you know. Low 80s, high 70s sometimes when I'm lucky. But, yeah, it's it, – I mean, we got our little team, like me, him, Gene Ferris, uh, Dan Kelly, Dogma, yeah. uh, uh, Green Velvet's fucking cousin, Bruce. Like, we, like every week we'll, we, we'll go out, like, every Wednesday with, like, two foursomes and just get fucking blasted. So much fun, isn't it? I forgot <laughs> how fun golf was. It's gone. Even if you suck at it, just go out there with your homies and just drink your fucking ass off, and you'll still you'll have fun. Steve, a fucking man. I didn't realize I like cigars so much too. Like I was oh. like, oh, we're going out. I'm bringing cigars. We're gonna smoke some weed. We're gonna drink. Like I was like, damn, this is so much fucking fun. But then you get in your mind a little bit, right? And you're like, okay, I gotta hit a good shot here, though. Yeah, you get in your groove, or you get in your own head and fuck it all up. Yeah, Same that's all. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we got in 2021? What can you tell us about? 2021. Let's see. I have. Uh, I already know. I have like four or five tracks that are already signed and submitted. Uh, but again, just waiting on a release date. You know, just yeah. playing the waiting game. There's nothing. It's it's out of my hands now. So whenever that stuff comes out, uh, I got a remix pack in the other day from uh, Eco Boy that I'm going to start on next week. Uh, it'll be a minimal track uh, that I'm remixing. Uh, shit. What else? I have the track with Hiroko. Uh, and on it, right before we started the, uh, the interview, uh, Paul, Paul Anthony called me and he said they're just, uh, submitting everything through a uh, label driver. So yes. that'll probably be up in like January or February. Uh, yeah. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty set for 2021. So I'm probably just like over the next few weeks, I'm just going to start like firing off, like firing off just a bunch of new, like just new track idea starts and everything and just see where it takes me. I'll probably start six or seven new things and I'll maybe finish one or two. So we'll see. <laughs> That's yeah. all right, man. It's like fucking sales. You make a hundred phone calls, 10 people are going to pick up and one person is going to say, yes, it's the same thing with music, right? Exactly. I love that, man. Well, it's always such a pleasure talking to you, Steve. Uh, again, congrats on a huge year, man. All things considered. It's so good to see you, Thank uh, you. still doing your thing, man, for real. Yeah, it's a shame we couldn't have done this and, and drank 30 beers tonight, but... Dude, I know. You were like, all right, I got you 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. I'm like, okay. All right. Well, I'll call off work. <laughs> Love it, man. Well, we'll get together as soon as we possibly can, and definitely next year I want to come golf with you. I'm going to be working on my game. Oh, we're doing it. Oh, we're doing working it. Working off. Go to hit that range in the off season. You're right. Fucking top golf, golf simulator, whatever I got to do to get to a fucking 10 and 10 par, 10 any camp, whatever I got to do. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Steve. You have a good night, man, and feel better, and uh, good luck golfing next week, okay?
Thank you, man. I appreciate it. All right, Steve. Have a good one, my friend.